Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com covered. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicke, and as always, I'm here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Hello, Dave. Hey, Dave. Hey, Jess. Hey, quick question. How yeah. good is it to be alive? Well, personally, Matt, I wish I was never born. Oh, that's a bit rough. Coming to the end of this <laughs> fine year of 2023, I think a lot of people are saying another great one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. One of the best. Yeah. We didn't think it could get better, but year on year it does. Yes. Yeah. We're just on a hot streak Honestly, lately. I start every year feeling a little glum because mm. I think, well, bloody, here we go. How do we I've top had, that? I've had the best year of my life <laughs> yeah. and then time after time. Don't worry. And you think year. you've had the best year of your life? I think the world's had the best year of its yes! life. Yes. Just going from strength to strength. Yeah. I haven't had to feel any kind of guilt or shame about how much I've been crushing it mm. because so is everybody else. Yeah. You know, it's hard to just continue to succeed when everybody else is suffering, but um, it's been really easy. It's yeah. been a beautiful time. And I'm, and I'm sad there's only a few days left in this miraculous year. Don't, One of my best. But don't worry, 2024, that's where it's going to be. What do you even mean? Better. It, it can't possibly get better than <laughs> even this. Even better. That's right. I've, we're raising the bar every year. Wow. That's exciting. Both for the show and for humanity. It's <laughs> <laughs> a huge claim. Now I'm feeling a little anxious. <laughs> now I'd, I'd love uh, Jess 
now that you are feeling anxious, yep. uh, to throw something more on your plate. Can you explain how the show works? Absolutely. Each week, one of the three of us researches a topic usually suggested to us by our wonderful listeners. We go away, we uh, learn all about it, we come back, we tell the other two who very politely listen, um, who never interrupt with dog shit riffs, and um, who just, you know, all around have a really respectful and polite time. Yeah, I'm ready to be polite. Matt, are you ready to be polite? I, I was born ready to be polite. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just any day now he'll do it. Um, and we do usually start with a question. And it's your turn. It's my turn. I have a question for you. It's a two-part question, okay, because I'm going to help. I don't think you know this topic, so I'm going to help you okay. build it. Two points over grabs? Uh, sure. Great. So well, first part, to help you piece this together. Um, it's So we're going for two names. We're trying to figure out the, the name of this person, right? Firstly- what was the name of one of Charlie Chaplin's daughters? Oh, okay. Just go for old-timey names. Glenda. Not Glenda. Guinevere. Nope. Mary. No. John. No. Marilyn. No. Uh, Grace. Uh, oh, that's pretty good. No, that's kind of old-timey. Catherine. Oh, no, but in the right kind of wheelhouse, I feel. As in names? <laughs> it uh, is a name. Edna. It is not Edna. Oh, Mavis. Uh, it starts with a J. Janice. Jillian. No. Jill. No. Junk. Longer name. Oh, Janine. Jacqueline. No, no, and no. Jezebel. Genevieve. No, no. I th- uh, no, he didn't have a Genevieve. He had a- Gilbert. A Geraldine, but- uh, Geraldine with a J. No, no, no. Okay. I'm just saying. Uh, Think Ean Genicillin. as well. Uh, Justine. No. Janine. <laughs> Jean? It's not Janine. Jeannie. Oh, my no. God. This must no, no, be no. really brutal to listen to. Okay, okay. Think, what do you mean? Charlie okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, Think Ean. Hang on, hang on. So, Joseph- Ean. Yes. <laughs> Josephine. Josephine. Or is it is it Josephine or is it Ean? It's Josephine. Okay, just checking. So Josephine. Yes to <laughs> I meant to say Jesus, Mary, and to get you to get to Joseph, and then I just said Joseph. So I helped you out okay. a little bit there, but Josephine is correct. Second part, and probably, God, hopefully easier. What is the job title of a person who starts work very early? Baker. Yes. <laughs> Can I read the rest? Sure. And is responsible Joseph for making Baker. bread, cakes, slices, scrolls, and other assorted treats. Oh, yeah. I spent ages writing that. Butcher. Baker. Baker is correct. Josephine Baker is correct. Dave, a point there for piecing it together so bravely. Thank you. Is that a name that rings any bells for you at all? Yeah. Really? A bit. Possibly because I put her up for the vote before. <laughs> right. Yeah, one of those. Doesn't ring any bells for me unless related to Julian Baker, the musician. No. Okay. So it doesn't ring a bell for you then by the sounds of it. Um, and, and it's not a surprise that you've put this up to the vote uh, because it's been suggested by so many people. Yeah, I think that's why I've seen the name pop it's in a our lot. suggestion hat. So I will I will read those names to you now because, again, there's heaps of them. So well, um, Do you need us to guess the names? Yes. <laughs> so it starts with an X. Um, Xavier. Really? Xavier from Quebec. Xylophone. Oh. Casey from Eldridge. Tom Rock from London. Zoe from the New South Wales Central Coast. Um, Siobhan Russell from Cedar Creek in Queensland. Lucas Bender from Germany. Hannah Lang from Washington, D.C. Uh, Kalina from Brisbane. Uh, Adriana from uh, Virginia. David Glue from Endeavour Hills. Beck Barrett Glue. from Melbourne. Olivia Gatliff from London. Alec McElroy from Kansas, uh, Daniel English from Sydney, Josh Harmon from Garland, Texas, Broderick Henry from Lexington, uh, Baden from Ferntree Gully, Adam Legg from uh, Derby, and Ashley F. from Virginia. Quite a lot of people. Jess, were you just reading from the phone book? Just <laughs> yes. 
um, Baden from Fentry Gully made you laugh for some reason. Yeah. Do no, I, I think it was the one before. Uh, oh, no, Broderick was, Henry from Lexington. No, it was Glue. Oh, yeah, you did Oh, love, yeah, sorry, David Glue. You did love uh, David Glue. I'm obsessed lately. This, we've had uh, um, David Zest yes. is a name that I was obsessed with. And a few weeks ago, we had a Patreon supporter whose name was David Coupe. Yes. And now we've got- Drive da- away, no more to pay. <laughs> I lo- and David Glue. I'm just trying to think of ways I can make my name better, and there's three options right there. Right there, but but they already exist. Yeah, but I'm going to- Oh, not if you kill them. <gasps> and then put and them then in- And take their identity. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so figure out which one of them has a cooler identity. Oh, I think David Coupe. I was going to say, there's no- I don't think David Glue can compete <laughs> with David Coupe. What if David Glue's like a multi-millionaire? That's true. Maybe he invented glue. Maybe he invented glue. Maybe a philanderer. G-L-E-W. So- who knows? Why well, I can't even spell. <laughs> it's exciting. So, yeah, this is a story of uh, Josephine Baker. One person um, kind of in their in their suggestion had like the- I know this could be the title maybe, but Josephine Baker, the showgirl spy. Love it. If that sells it to you a little bit. Mm. We're in. Earlier so- this year we had a princess spy. Now we've got a showgirl spy. This is very cool. Yeah, it's great. We love, we love women who spy. <laughs> we do. We actually do. <laughs> um, so- it's just like a, a nice way of saying eavesdropper and gossip. gossip. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than saying, gosh, she was a gossip. But essentially- No, no, she was a spy. She was a spy. Worked for the government. Gathering intel. Yeah. Through gossip. Gathering intel. Did you see what Christine was yeah. wearing? <laughs> and the government are like, this isn't helpful to this us. This isn't relevant to the war. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's a whole section of my report that now doesn't Jeez. need to be said. Jeez, she's aged. <laughs> yes. I love that sort of stuff. Some of they. Oh. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. No, That's not Doing her shade. <laughs> <laughs> Trouble in paradise, I've heard. Oh, <laughs> uh, that jacket's from three years ago. Mm. Anyway, so Frida Josephine McDonald was born on June 3rd, 1906, in St. Louis, Missouri. I can't remember. There's a St. Louis and a St. Louis. I'm pretty sure the Missouri one is St. Louis. I think that's St. Louis, right? Oh, like the God. spirit of St. Louis. Yes. That plane. Yes. Not St. Louis. There is a St. Louis. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, we're going to say St. Louis for this right. one. It doesn't come up that much, but that's where she was born. She was raised by her mother, Carrie, but the identity of her biological father has been disputed over the years. All right. I'm willing to put my <laughs> hand up of now. Yeah, I get it. That's what you've brought me here for today. It was me. Wow, that was easy. You really are old. I thought I'd have to go through the whole thing, but um, yeah, no, got him. You're going to okay. go through it and shame him. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I just keep bringing up how good it would have been if she had her father in her life. <laughs> wow. Anyway, this really sad thing happened. It could have been prevented if her dad was there, but um, he wasn't. Oh, it just wasn't in the right headspace. <laughs> it's taken you a century to- 1906? How old were you in 1906? Oh, I was, you know, I was still I was just a young buck of, you know, three, four hundred years old. Yeah. I forget. Yeah, it's tough. You lose count. Yeah. I was born before Abacus. And everybody, so- <laughs> put yourself in, in Matt's shoes. Think of when you were three or four hundred yeah. years old. Well, you no, I, I, I was three or four hundred before shoes. Put put yourself in my clogs, <laughs> sandals. <laughs> put yourself in my bare feet. Yes. <laughs> Can you think sandals came before shoes? <laughs> Didn't they? Like, I'm thinking, like, Jesus sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, weren't wearing, like, lace-up <laughs> business shoes, yeah. were they? It's funny that you go, that's not shoes. That's not These shoes. These are shoes. <laughs> well, I think of a shoe as, like, a, a, you know, a covered a covered toe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
in the Adidas episode a few months ago, we did discover that they only had running shoes about 100 years yeah. ago. Before that, they were running in loaves of bread. So. Yeah, that's true. So Bakers were involved. Back to oh, Baker. Beautiful segue. Some sources say that vaudeville drummer Eddie Carson was her biological father, while others dispute Carson. this. Carson. <laughs> As fridges as a as a bag of peas. <laughs> Still were frozen. <laughs> you might be thinking a bag of fresh peas. Well, no, 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 no. No, I'm talking about ones that have been deep in the freezer. What was his name again? Eddie Carson. Eddie Carson. Yeah. I doubt he even had a, a, a pinner. I doubt he even had one. Wouldn't have known what to do with it. The man was as frigid as the North Pole. <laughs> They didn't yeah. have a pole, as far as I know. Well, Matt is one of the many who disputed this um, and mm. claimed that her father was a white man, actually, was what a lot of people said. Yeah, doesn't get much whiter than me. <laughs> I'm a pale man. You are. Get some sun. Jesus. Uh, yeah, that's not good for me either. No. There's really no winning, is there? No. Get so- a spray tan, though, because it is glary. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the, probably the happy medium. Yes. See, I'm either really pale and off-putting to you. Yes. Or I get cancer and die. <laughs> but that would at least not be off-putting to you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do an open that casket. That would have no impact to <laughs> <Yeah>. my life. <laughs> You're like, oh, but he, he died with a beautiful glow. But he looked healthy <laughs> yep. for the first time. Um, academic Benita Jules Rosette, an amazing name, author of Josephine Baker in Art and Life, wrote about the difficulty of establishing the truth of Baker's early life given the factual and counterfactual reworkings of her numerous biographers and Baker's own numerous and often contradictory reworking of the story, which frequently lacked coherence. So it's one of those things of like... We're not really sure because she said a bunch of different stuff and every biographer has a different theory, so we're not really sure. But regardless, um, young Josephine spent her early years in the St. Louis neighbourhood of Chestnut Valley, which is quite a cute name and sounds like a farming video game I would play. It does sound like something you'd love. I would love that. Stardew Valley, Chestnut Valley. Like, I would play play the shit out of that. Isn't that where Brendan Fraser's nut job was set? That was Chest... It was chest something. It was yeah. It was set in the chest. It was set in the chest in the heart. If you zoomed out, it, the whole thing took part on a chest. <laughs> it's really beautiful. A beautiful chest, yes. So it sounds really cute and wholesome, but at the time it was a it was a low income neighborhood consisting mainly of boarding houses, brothels, and apartments with no indoor plumbing. So sort of a roughish kind of area. I've just looked up the Brendan Fraser movie. It's set in Oakton. Okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but it was chest. I'm sure of it. Oak trees have chestnuts, right? Yeah, yeah. Or is that a chestnut tree has chestnuts, probably? Ooh. Oak tree has oak nuts, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, come on, mate. Jeez, we all know that. God, you're embarrassing. Um, so her mother, Carrie, married Arthur Martin, um, who was described as a kind but perpetually unemployed man. Oh. Arthur Martin. That's Arthur fun. Martin. Arthur Martin. Arthur Martin. But I'd Arthur call him Artie Marty. Artie Marty. That's good. I'd give Marty Marty a job. But not many people did. Yeah, because he didn't rebrand. Or he would, like, he would get a job and then, you know, not have a job. Okay. Um, but so her mother, Carrie, had a son and two more daughters with Artie Marty. <laughs> to make ends meet, Carrie took in laundry to wash um, to make some money. And at only eight years old, Josephine was sent out to work as a maid for white families. At eight. Oh, a bit um, late. Bit late. Bit late. Got to start Tiger earlier. Woods was hitting golf balls at the age of three. 
You think you're going to get to the top of the game <laughs> think you'd be in the pr- maid world? You think you'd be number one maid ever? At starting at eight. Good luck, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it like that. Mm. I just thought, wow, that's awful. But you're right. Yeah. Yeah, awfully late. Down. Awfully late. Um, apparently, one woman burned Josephine's hand as a punishment after Josephine used too much soap in the laundry. Oh, too much soap. Yeah. We gotta let you gotta leave them wanting more. The <laughs> too clothes. soapy. My it's clothes too are too clean. <laughs> yeah, I smell too fresh. Yeah, they're not gonna want to come back for weeks now. I don't think I was making my own school lunches at eight, let alone doing laundry. Right. You know. Yeah. No. Eight. What's that? Grade three, two, two or three. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely wasn't. Nah. I was cooking my own dinner at eight. Yeah, I was still banging my own flom <laughs> flombards. <Mm-mm>. Wow. <laughs> Sounds delicious. You couldn't think of any food. <laughs> no. <laughs> did, did I get one of those two words right? Sorbeting? Yeah. I guess. Okay. But I don't think you sorbet a flombard. <laughs> to answer your question. Okay. But do you flombe a sorbard? Yes, yeah, okay. that would have made more That's sense. I had, a, I had it uh, back to front. <laughs> that was your problem. You couldn't think of a single food. No. <laughs> Try now. Um, de- desert. Uh, oh. uh, cr- a crumble. A crumble. Crumble. Sure. An apple crumble. Apple crumble. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I often get the desert and dessert confused as well, so that's it's fine. It's tricky. One S. Has it ever meant so much? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it has. Uh, anyway, so it sounds like she was- Working and attending school for a few years, which is wild. But by 12, she dropped out of school and at 13 was working as a waitress at the old chauffeur's club and busking on street corners for extra money. At times, she lived on the street, sleeping in cardboard shelters and scavenging for food from garbage cans. I don't know. I don't know what was happening at home in that time, but what was the, sure. what, what kind of busking was she doing? Like dancing. Ah, oh, dance busking. Yeah. And what, probably- what, what year... Are we talking about? It's like the early 1900s. She was born in 1906. Dancing back So, what are we there. up to? The 20s now? If it's if she's 13? It's probably like ballroom Close dancing, Close, yeah. I guess. She's doing ballroom dancing yeah, with, a ballroom with a broom. There's, oh, um, yeah. I don't know if this is happening all over Melbourne, but there's two intersections that I drive through every day where people have started juggling mm. every single day. At juggling the at the lights? At the lights. Yep. And the first day- I was like, that was fantastic. Here's some money. But I, I can't afford to pay every- Every day. Because t- I go through it four times. You yep. can't afford to pay a couple of bucks every day to a juggler. <laughs> We're not Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> but I want a way to be more memorable so they remember this guy's already paid. Oh, you think so that, that think should you get need- you multiple days of juggling? Yeah. yeah well, I mean, I'd, to be honest- I don't need any days of juggling. I think what I you need to do to be memorable is you either you need to get out of the car and start juggling too. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. I'll pay you in kind. A juggling a juggling takeover. Yeah. Not a takeover, just like a a, a momentary juggling duet. Oh, or I say- And then you're back in the car and I say, you go. you take five. I've got it, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have a round. I'll you pay make a, a bit of cash. Yeah, but I pay it forward to him. Oh, okay. What? I, I think you need a way like- because the old version of that was wiping your windows down, cleaning your windows. Yeah, and they you, still do that. You just give her the "I'm okay, thanks." If you if you don't need it, so they start juggling. You I'm go, okay, oh, thanks. I'm okay, thanks. No, no juggling no for thanks. me. Ah, I'm good. Just do that. Ah, 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 ah. No. Thank you though. No, all good. Because then, do they come to your window with a hat? Jesus Christ! Tipped out, and I just have to do. This. Oh, I'm fiddling with my radio again. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't see it. But who has cash? 
Yeah, that's the thing. They've got a QR code. They don't. Yeah, a QR code. Yeah. I'm not doing that. I'm not but getting there's... my phone out while I'm driving. That's unsafe. Yeah, yeah. So you got to scan it, <laughs> log on to their PayPal, no. transfer. The lights don't last, obviously, no, that long. No, that's unsafe. I've already seen a juggling show. Dave, I think <laughs> you've got to go get some coins out so you're just ready yeah. you know, for the juggler. And be prepared when you go and get some coins out because I have to do that fairly regularly. Um, they will say, oh, laundry day, is it? <laughs> and I go, yeah. No, I'm just it is. driving past the juggler. Yeah. <laughs> now you can say that to him. Yes, I said no. No, I'm this driving is past for the buskers. Juggler. Yeah. But they're going to oh. love that even more. Oh, juggling day. <laughs> Are they up to clubs yet? Bit of fun. Wow. What fun it must be to work in a bank. What, working in clubs? Have you seen many jugglers in, in clubs? Yeah, club juggling. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Jess, please go on. So she's, uh, she's this, this is how we, this is. We got here from dancing. Oh, yeah. Street dancing. Busking. She's busking. Um, around this time, she met Willie Wells at the old chauffeur's club and married him soon after. Okay. She's 13. Oh. How old's Willie Wells? Unsure, but I think He's I from the old age. chauffeur's club as well. This is like a club for retired chauffeurs. I don't know what the old chauffeur's club oh, is. Wow. And you imagine, like, chauffeurs on movies are always really old anyway. Mm. So yeah. to retire, you'd have to be like 100. Yeah. So and that's like- quite a gap. <laughs> A hundred year old marrying a thirteen year old. Yeah. Oh my God. What would they have chauffeur. in common? What would yeah. they even talk about? <laughs> Sh- chauffeur's club. I had to. I couldn't figure out how to spell chauffeur. Um, yeah, oh, I don't worry about right. it. Anyway, it was it was some sort of club. Um, <laughs> and he's probably older, and it's a bit sus. Yeah, and she's thirteen. The marriage lasted less than a year, and she was divorced by fourteen years old. Oh, uh, yeah. What a way to live. From uh, this uh, website I found called Wikipedia.org, which is like a. Um, it's all about like um, movie stars and and oh, um, yeah, showbiz yeah, yeah. clubs. Yeah. From Wiki, it says, in her teen years, she struggled to have a healthy relationship with her mother, who did not want her to become an entertainer, and scolded her for not tending to her second husband, William Howard Baker, whom she married in 1921 at the age of 15. Wow, second William in yeah in two years. Yeah, William Howard Baker. She left him when her vaudeville troupe was booked into a New York City venue and divorced in 1925. It was during this time she began to see significant career success and she continued to use his last name professionally for the rest of her life. So the surname Baker came from a a brief marriage when she was 15. Right. And she just kept that name forever. So she's been briefly married at 13 and 15. Yeah. She's already – she's been divorced twice. Mm. She's – Dave loves a world record. She's she's on world record pace, <laughs> yeah. I would say. If they did that line, you know, in the swimming pool yes. at the Olympics, she'd be she's ahead, ahead of the line. Yes. She can't even see the line. No. Yeah, the line's miles back. Yeah. I'm looking it up for a world record for most divorces. Wow. Well, apparently the highest divorce rate is from the Maldives, number one. 10.9- You live in paradise. 10.9 mm. per 1,000 marriages. 10.9. No, sorry, 10.97 divorces per 1,000 inhabitants per year. I don't I don't understand what that means. <laughs> I think it, it, it's double at least the second, which is Belarus. But I but I don't understand that's what that means. That's a per head divorce rather than a per marriage divorce, which I think would- Yeah, so every 1,000 people that live there every year, 10, people, 10 of those people will get divorced. So is that five divorces or 10 divorces, so 20 oh, people? Good, good, oh, that's a good, good question. question. What, is it, what is it, 1%? That's not that bad. If you're like, there's a thousand people and ten of us are going to get divorced, I'd feel pretty good in those odds. Yeah, but each year, so I think it would be a better. But then more people would get married. Yeah, better percentage would be a how many <laughs> marriages end in divorce. <laughs> okay, I found our winner, Glenn Wolf, okay. also known as Scotty Wolf. <laughs> okay, from Party Five. 
No, but what a reference! Was, was that who? Is that his name? I don't know. Party of Five is before our time. Yeah, no idea what you're talking about. Uh, Scotty Wolf <laughs> was an American Baptist minister who resided in Blythe, California. He is best known for allegedly having the largest number of mon- monogamous marriages, having married 31 different times. Although one of his marriages was annulled. And several remain unconfirmed. And you know on Wikipedia how there's a column under the photo usually saying their marriage isn't, and yeah. there might be two? This is what his looks like. It's just... <laughs> it's just oh, wow. It's just scroll. Oh, man. You would lose count. Like, as in, I reckon you'd forget some of their names. Wow. 19 children. Oh, God. Good on you, Scotty Wolf. That's, yeah, probably pretty low rate of children per marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Scott Wolf was from Party of Five, as was Matthew Fox. Important things to Fox know. Fox and Wolf. Absolutely. How about that? <laughs> Speaking How in another language that? about that. <laughs> wow. Anyway, so I mentioned a vaudeville troupe in there. So at around uh, 13 years old, her consistent badgering of a show manager led her to being recruited for the St. Louis Chorus Vaudeville Show. Um, she travelled with the group to New York to perform and ended up auditioning for and securing a role in the chorus line of a touring production of the Broadway review Shuffle Along. Um, I love old-timey show mm. names. I mean, all of them sound ridiculous. but Shuffle along. Shuffle along. Yeah, back in the days when any name was available. You could have anything. You could have called it Wicked. Yeah. <laughs> wicked <laughs> wasn't taken. They could have called it Cats. You could have. You know? Yeah, like now it's a struggle to come up with could have yeah. called it Siegfried and Roy's you Magical could. Hour. You could. Could have called it David Copperfield makes a ship disappear. Yeah. Oh, could have called it David Coupe starring David Coupe. You oh. could have called it that. You could have called it Diagnosis Murder. <gasps> but they went for Shuffle Along. Shuffle Along. From Wikipedia again. In Shuffle Along, Baker was a dancer positioned at the end of the chorus line. Fearing she might be overshadowed by the other dancers, she used her position to introduce a hint of comedy into her routine, thereby making her stand out from other dancers. Wow. So she's, she's doing, doing like a little like... <laughs> on the side. Like funny, the end. funny dancing. Yeah, That's for, like you don't get overshadowed. That's the point of a chorus line. You're just one yeah. big thing, isn't it? She's, But she's like, I'm going to stand out. I don't want to be overshadowed by these other people doing exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> It'd be great if they all had that thought, though. They're like, I'm going to. Yeah. I'll, I'll do the funny dance tonight. And then they're just upstage freestyling. It's like you're just supposed to dance across the stage and leave. I don't know. They're all out there just crumping. Yeah. That's where crumping was started. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, she first entered Shuffle Along in 1922 in one of the US touring companies. Once she became of age, she was transferred to the Broadway production where she remained for several months up until the show ended in 1923. The next review Baker was cast in was The Chocolate Dandies, <laughs> which opened on September 1st, 1924. Again, she was cast in the chorus line. It ran for 96 performances and closed in November of 1925. So she's working fairly consistently and she's still very young. And is she still like trying to show up the others? Oh, definitely. Yeah, she's- The rest of the dandies. Yeah. When you hear of someone who's been divorced twice, you don't expect years later to hear the line, when she became of age. I know. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Made at 13. I feel like being divorced, you're of age now. Yeah. I think you just- Numbers don't mean anything. Yeah. I'm picturing her like, she's smoking a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of my first husband. (laughs) How old are you? (laughs) 16. <laughs> so though Baker travelled, she would return with gifts and money for her mother and, and younger half sisters. But larger career opportunities pushed her to make a trip to France. Oh, okay, exciting. In 1925, aged 19, she sailed to Paris and performed in an all-black review that October. 
In Paris, she became an instant success. Um, a writer, Gary Young, writes, She scandalised and titillated Paris, appealing to the sense of the primitive and the exotic that pervaded Europe during the Jazz Age. She's in constant motion, her body writhing like a snake, or more precisely, like a dipping saxophone, wrote the critic Pierre <laughs> de some sort of uh, very confusing French name. Like a snake. Sorry, let me be even more specific. <laughs> a dipping saxophone. <laughs> He goes on to say, music seems to pour from her body. She grimaces, crosses her eyes, wiggles disjointedly, does the splits and finally crawls off the stage, oh stiff-legged, her rump higher than her head, like a young giraffe. <laughs> She's crawling with her rump high? She sounds terrible. <laughs> she sounds nothing like a snake. She's cross-eyed and just, just is, she, is she possessed? <laughs> Is she having a seizure up there? I think so. But she wiggles disjointedly. Then she does the splits. And then she crawls off the stage stiff-legged, but with her ass in the air. Meanwhile, her head down. the rest of the chorus line are just perfectly in time, <laughs> shuffling away from her. And she's just- <laughs> the hell? And they're like, oh, she moves like jazz. <laughs> she's like crawling along, along the ceiling, like exorcist style. <laughs> head head vomiting, spinning. spewing, head turning. Yeah. And they're like, wow, she's mystifying. <laughs> she's a star. Later, Baker said, no, I didn't get my first break on Broadway. I was only in the chorus in Shuffle Along and Chocolate Dandies. I became famous first in France in the 20s. I just couldn't stand America and I was one of the first uh, coloured Americans to move to Paris. And she says, oh, yes, Bricktop was there as well. I'll talk about Bricktop in a sec. Oh, Bricktop. Me and no, her- thanks, Turkish. <laughs> yeah, I knew I'm that would come enough. up. <laughs> Me and her were the only two and we had a marvellous time. Of course, everyone who was anyone knew Bricky and they got to know Miss Baker as well. She talks like she's in the 20s. I yeah. love it. So Ada Bricktop Smith, very famous American jazz singer who owned the famous nightclub Chez Bricktop in Paris from 1924 to 1961. Um, she's been... She's been called one of the most legendary and enduring figures of the 20th century American cultural history. So Bricktop's ah, good quite on you, famous Bricky. as well. Um, but, yeah, was in, was in Paris around the same time. So Gary Young, he writes again, Baker was something of a pioneer in this journey, but she was by no means alone. During the decades immediately before and after World War II, a significant cohort of black artists facing repression in the US would seek exile in France, where they found not only acceptance but adulation. There is more freedom in one square block of Paris than there is in the entire United States of America, wrote novelist Richard Wright, who moved to France in 1946, claimed French citizenship and died there in 1960. Um, and another writer. <laughs> Sorry, he moved there in 1946. Yes. Like a year after they'd taken it back from the Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of freedom there. And there always has been. Yep. Definitely. Uh, resources <laughs> are high. Food, very yeah. available. Okay. Um, but he, he felt more free there than in the US. Um, and, and the US is the land of the free. I know. So I can only imagine that this- Paris is- New town. What is it? Had you, what Paris. Is, Paris. Mm-hmm. Jeez, that must have been free. God, is that sure for paradise? Yeah. I believe so, yes. And it's the kind of place where you could walk stiff-legged with yeah. your rump in the air <laughs> yeah. and people would celebrate you. Would be like, That's how free it is. Brava, madam, <laughs> they would say. Incredible stuff. You wouldn't get that in the US. No. <laughs> no matter how hard you try. Um, so, the- It is funny because uh, America did have a little something to do with Paris having freedom. You leave. Imagine leaving America just after they've helped free uh, a lot of Europe from the Nazis, mm. and they're like, 
Glad I'm away from that stinkhole America <laughs> yeah. and here in the land of the free, Paris. <laughs> and these are specifically- Oh, the Nazis, I can still see them walking out. <laughs> but God, so I'm free. What were you up to? Where are you going? But it is, <laughs> it, it is kind of interesting because, like, I mean, these are specifically black artists, so it's, right, it is yes, very different for okay. them. But Gary Young, this writer that I'm quoting, talks about he's uh, he's a, a black Englishman and he talks about living in, in Paris in his uni days in the 90s and facing- Huge racial issues. Yeah, so they it's got like, big issues there. It was just at that time, mm. it was pretty good. Right. You know? In comparison to- In comparison to the US. USA, where there's a lot of segregation. Exactly, and- yes. Okay. Okay. I was, this uh, makes a lot of sense. I was uh, looking at that all through my slightly privileged lens, <laughs> I should say. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, a, yeah, it's kind of like, oh, wow, it's great. And then this guy, Gary Young's like, wasn't in the 90s. And you're like, okay. Um, I think it's been a bit grim there for- since the night, it still is, I think, in Paris. Some- yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, Kristen D. Burton writes for the National World War II Museum. Uh, there's a great article written there. Unlike the United States, France did not racially segregate public places on a large scale. When Josephine and her castmates boarded a train in France, they were surprised but happy to learn they could sit anywhere they liked. Right, okay. We're, we're seeing what they're talking yeah, about now. Yeah. Okay. Josephine was also shocked to see the costumes created for her to perform in. One consisted only of a bikini bottom covered in flamingo feathers. After one performance, Josephine quickly took to this kind of erotic dancing and became a rising star. Do you think there's a more erotic bird than the flamingo? I I challenge anyone to find a more man erotic has bird. a horny bird. <laughs> What about that hot bird in Dublin? Oh, man. It was a magpie. We were losing our minds over it. The Irish magpie. My God. So beautiful. That is a hot bird. (laughs) Hottest bird we've ever seen. We were like, look at that fucking bird. It's so beautiful. Couldn't believe our hot bird. And the Irish listeners saw the video and were like, it's a magpie. It's a magpie. (laughs) They're a dime a dozen. We were losing our minds. (laughs) They didn't say it like that. They said, Dara, dame a (laughs) dozen. I can't do the Irish accent. You do. That's just a magpie. They're a dime a dozen. Thank you. Oh, beautiful. Thank you well so said. much. Thank you so much. I'm sure Irish listeners would agree. That was very that was good. spot on. Um, so, over time, Josephine became the most successful entertainer in France. Like, she has just hit the scene. She's a huge star. They love, love her. Awesome. She performed the Dance Sauvage, wearing a now famous costume consisting of a skirt made of a string of artificial bananas. Okay, is there a hornier fruit <laughs> than the banana? Maybe a peach, but I think oh, peach yeah. is second. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it looks top, like a butt. They're top two. <laughs> Did I have to explain that? Did you get that? Oh, I got it. It looks like a butt. Oh, my God. <laughs> banana looks like an even weirder butt. Yeah, that's a, like, like, like a really, really- That's like, get that checked if that's what your butt looks like. Um, so, yeah, she's quite famous for that. It was just a skirt made out of bananas. Um, so much of her success- was, of course, due to her talent and her stage presence, but she also had incredible luck with timing. Her early success coincided with the 1925 International Exhibition of Modern, Decorative and Industrial Art. Um, it was designed by the French government to highlight the new modern style of architecture, interior decorating, furniture, glass, jewellery and other decorative art in Europe and throughout the world. And it said that this exhibition gave birth to the term Art Deco and also brought with it a renewal of interest in non-Western forms of art, including a big interest in African art. A fun tidbit and something that a lot of people mention when suggesting her as a topic. I think she sort of lent into the African thing. Um, She had a pet cheetah named Chiquita 
who would often accompany her on stage in her later shows. Um, Chiquita, adorned with a diamond collar, would often escape into the orchestra pit, (laughs) terrorising the musicians and delighting audiences. Mm. Is there a hotter land mammal (laughs) than the cheetah? I don't think so. Certainly not a faster one. Definitely not a faster one. But like, so people and that- that's sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Speed. Speed. Get it done. <laughs> I got things to do. Yeah. That's sexy. But into the orchestra pit, and then yeah. people are cheering on. Oh, it's got the bassoonist. Oh, <laughs> bit of fun. He's bleeding in the neck. <laughs> fun. Throwing tips. Um. Yeah. Anyway. So I assume I don't know this for sure, but I assume a human could take a cheetah. Is that not right? I think we should put it to the test. U V cheetah. Okay. I'm gonna go average cheetah weight. Okay. 75 to 140 pounds, 34 to 64 kilos. Yeah. Are you going to take it? Yeah, I reckon. I think you'd you would want to be aware. Like, if it if it pounces on you from behind, you know, like- Yeah, you might down be Down low in no, the no, grass. Can we put little um, corks on its teeth? No. Okay. okay. But I no, I probably can't. face off each other in a boxing ring. I'm okay, so it has it got boxing gloves on? Yes. So, it can't quite walk properly. Yeah. <laughs> then, yeah, I could take it. And no biting allowed. In, is it normal That's boxing rules? That's what I said. Rules? I said no biting. Yeah, no normal boxing rules. Yes. Okay. Okay, so you yeah. say yes for his but rules, it, but, but not it, for my but rules. But it's coach is Mike Tyson, so who knows what will happen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But no, I think I what take sort it. of brain capacity do they have to learn tricks like boxing? Yeah, that's true. I don't know how smart they are, but, but they yeah, are you're fast. Rope, you're rope-a-doping it up. They've got no chance. Hmm. Oh, I do, yeah, because they're sprinters. They're 77 centimetres tall at the shoulder. <sighs> I'm so much taller than that. That's that's bigger than I would have thought. But I've got a I got bigger reach than them. Oh, yeah. And every time I reach out, they bite another arm off. <laughs> <laughs> and that happens <laughs> for two times. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. Not again. <laughs> Google knows me so well. I, I've Googled cheetah just to look at it, and then I've started typing, can a human, and it's autocorrected to beat a cheetah in a fight. And Yeah, your algorithm, Cora, algorithm is spot on. A fit, strong adult human who was willing to take some damage would probably defeat a cheetah. Thank you. They weigh about 50 kilos <laughs> and are more likely built than other big felines. Are you willing to take some damage? To yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm playing a bassoon. <laughs> said, I don't have a lot of choice. Just said thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I probably could take one. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. I thought so. Well, thought so. Yes. There's multiple eyes. I'm honking away on the bassoon, right? And all of a sudden Which there's a cheetah like in what? there. What's a bassoon sound like again? Remind me. <laughs> As a, well, what, what kind of tune do you want? It's jazz. Jazz. Oh, so it's about the notes it's you the don't play. It's the notes you don't play. Exactly. So, play all the notes you don't want to play. Okay. Well, I'll play the ones in between those. Yes. And now you're getting attacked by a cheetah. <laughs> <laughs> So, you could have taken the bassoon out of your mouth at any point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? In the heat of the moment, I didn't even think of that. Because you see the bassoon is really a part of you. Yes, it's an extension of my lips. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Am I thinking of the right instrument? I believe so, yes. I couldn't, I couldn't work out if it was Scooby-Doo or Mr. Bean playing the bassoon. <laughs> uh, in the part of the bassoon, we have Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> we have a Scooby-Doo. Anyway, so- um, So, she's got a cheetah. Love that. So got cool. a cheetah. 
Um, it's attacking her musicians. It's fun. After a while, Baker was the most successful American entertainer working in France. She was a celebrity. Ernest Hemingway spent hours talking to her in Paris bars and called her the most sensational woman anyone ever saw. Wow. Um, Picasso created paintings of her um, and her captivating beauty. She was hugely famous. In 1929, she became the first African-American star to visit Yugoslavia while on a tour of Central Europe. In Belgrade, she performed at Luxor Balkanska, the most luxurious venue in the city at the time, and she donated some of the show's proceeds to the poor children of Serbia. Um, she, One of our favourite things to do is when people sh- turn up to look at trains. Um, she was received by adoring fans at the train station. However, some of her shows were cancelled due to opposition from the local clergy and morality police. Oh, yeah. They, they're like, it was the opposite to Elvis. They're like, no straight-legged dancing. No. Okay. <laughs> you have to film her from above the rump. You can leave the stage, but your legs must <laughs> be bent. You better bend those legs. <laughs> that is ungodly. <laughs> Bend those knees. Bend those Um, knees God gave you. (laughs) During this trip, she was accompanied by her manager, Count Giuseppe Pepito Abatino. Oh, my God. Who was not actually a count. Oh, wow. But he said he was, and the two became lovers while he was also managing her. They couldn't marry because she was still technically married to Willie Baker, but under the management of Abatino, Baker's stage and public persona, as well as her singing voice, was transformed. She released her most successful song in 1931, um, I Have Two Loves. Both called Willie. Both called Willie. The song expresses the sentiment that I have two loves, my country and Paris. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Baker starred in four films which found success in Europe. Um, there was a silent film, Siren of the Tropics, uh, Zuzu and Princess Tam Tam and, and uh, False Alert in 1940. <laughs> It's in French, but I was like, I think I can figure out what that one is. Um, She was funny and charming and artfully clumsy and audiences fell in love with her. So those films were 1927, 34, 35, 40. So she's like in in films, you know. She's on a hot streak. She's on a hot streak. But despite her popularity in France, she was never really able to reach the same level of stardom in her native USA. She returned home in 1936 to star in the revival of – Ziegfeld Follies on Broadway. Unfortunately, the show wasn't commercially successful and she was replaced by another actress later in the run. American critics were unkind in their reviews, like I couldn't read them on the podcast, kind of unkind, like racial slur kind of unkind. And she returned to Europe heartbroken and not long after she gave up her American citizenship and became a legal citizen of France when she married Frenchman Jean Leon. So she's married now for the third time. And now she released a new song, I Have One Love. Yeah. And <laughs> Paris. it's Paris. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. um, it's beautiful in French. It sounds obviously terrible in the Australian accent, but beautiful mm. in hers. But here's where her story takes a bit of an unexpected turn. So in September of 1939, after Germany invaded Poland, France declared war on Germany. In uh, Deuxième, the Deuxième Bureau... The French military intelligence agency recruited Baker as an honourable correspondent. She was to work with a man named Jacques Ad- Abti, the head of French counterintelligence in Paris. 
Apti sought to recruit people who could engage in espionage to help resistance efforts against the Nazi occupation. Baker was an ideal candidate for this work as her celebrity allowed her to move easily between countries and offered her enhanced protection. When Apti approached Josephine to see if she would take the risk and join the resistance, she said... France made me what I am. I will be grateful forever. The people of Paris have given me everything. I am ready, Captain, to give them my life. You can use me as you wish. So Bloody she's like, hell. fuck yeah, I'll be a Have we gone back in time again? A little, yeah. I okay. jumped ahead in terms of like some of the films she was in and right. it's all kind of overlapping. I, I, I had already emotionally moved on from the end of the, the war. No, nah, <laughs> we're, we're deep in it now, babe. We're back. We're back in the war. I'm sorry to make you move on and then move Back. What a vicious cycle. Yeah. <laughs> so, using her star power and social reputation, Baker attended parties and functions at embassies, ministries, nightclubs. She socialized with the Germans, charming them and gathering information. Right. So, you weren't wrong when you were like, she's getting gossip. Mm. But she was getting like good goss. Yeah. Obviously, she went to Abdi and she was like, <laughs> she was wearing this and she looked hideous. Yeah. She's such an autumn. <laughs> um, but also, um, this is the port they're going to attack. <laughs> she had useful stuff. Can you believe it? The way that the colonel, <laughs> oh, my God, he is going to bomb. <laughs> you wouldn't believe you who he's going to bomb next. <laughs> Takes a sip of her drink while they're all just to build tension. <laughs> yeah. Because of who she was, it was easy and not suspicious for her to be rubbing shoulders with high-profile people, from high-ranking Japanese officials to Italian bureaucrats. She'd gather information and report to Abdi what she heard. From the World War II Museum again, Josephine came to represent much of what Hitler and the Nazis despised. She was a successful black woman in an interracial marriage with a Jewish man who was also openly bisexual and had multiple long-term semi-public relationships with other women. When the Germans began to advance on Paris in 1940, Josephine, like millions of other Parisians, fled the city. She moved to a chateau she rented in the south of France where she took in other refugees fleeing the Nazis. So she's got chateau money mm. and she's like, come stay, come just hang out with me at the chateau. She housed resistance fighters at her chateau and supplied them with visas. She attended parties and diplomatic functions, including parties at the Italian embassy that brought her in the orbit of high-ranking Axis bureaucrats. She collected information on German troop movements and what harbours or airfields were in action. Josephine was confident that her celebrity and connections would protect her and that no one would suspect her of espionage. She wrote down intelligence on her hands and arms, pinning notes inside her underwear. She did so knowing that she would never face a strip search. She's like, They're not, I'm hugely famous. Right. They're not going to strip search me. But she's walking around like... That's <laughs> <laughs> all these post-it notes in her pants. <laughs> 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 What's going on here? It sounds like you're walking through a... A pile of leaves. But would you would you say that to like the most famous person you'd ever seen in your life? You know, no. Brad Pitt walks in here. You're not gonna be like, you sound funny when you walk, Brad Pitt. Take <laughs> off your clothes. I'm gonna search you. You're not gonna say that, are you? Not like that. No, anyway. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> what about? So, but her other uh, super secret way of taking notes is on her hand. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, how many troops you got there? Just let me write this down. Nothing sus. Just my. Then she puts gloves on. Can't see it. Oh, okay. But it's, yeah, it's on her arms. It's obviously under clothing. I don't think it's in like big black permanent marker on her skin. <laughs> and then she's like, yep, that's, that'll be fine. And they're like, watch. And she's like, can you spell that for me while she writes it down? <laughs> so I just had a great idea for a new dance. Uh, I'm just <laughs> going to write on you my You inspired arm. me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to call it 18,000 troops at midnight. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, 
The Nazis had gotten wind of the resistance activity happening at Josephine's chateau and visited the estate. Now, I can picture this in, like, in the film version being very tense. Mm, Absolutely. Um, Josephine had been hiding several resistance fighters at the time of the visit. She successfully charmed the Nazis when they questioned her, but she took the close encounter as a sign that it was time to leave France. She managed to charm them, like, don't check the house. Anyway, uh, shall I dance? (laughs) (laughs) We're okay. Thank you. (laughs) No, we'll go. go, Straight leg in there. (laughs) Actually, yeah, we've got another place to check out. This chateau is haunted as shit. (laughs) I'm not going in there. Anyway, so she's like, i got to get out of France. Um, So, Abti contacted General Charles de Gaulle, who we know from the airport. Train station airport. Train station. (laughs) Yeah, I think of an airport as sort of like- it's a plane station. It's a plane station. Yeah. Yeah. For the yeah. For sky trains. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Charles de Gaulle instructed both of them, um, Abti and Baker, to travel to London via Lisbon, which was neutral. Between them, the pair carried over fifty classified documents and in the, secret intelligence. In their underpants? No. She carried hers by writing the information down in invisible ink on her sheet music. Oh yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. That is amazing. But that's pretty scary that they've got all these, like, classified important documents and they're sneaking information around. It'd be so scary every time, you know, a Nazi pulls out a lemon to squeeze on his pancakes. And <laughs> you're that, like, oh, please don't splash on her. Please don't splash on the notes. <laughs> please. <laughs> but again, it's on her, like, sheet music. <sighs> you can imagine oh, you can imagine a musician being really, like... Yeah. Protect me. Yeah, please. Oh, sorry. It's not, there's nothing to hide here. I just don't want to get any of your pancake (laughs) batter onto my sheet. Yes. But please enjoy your breakfast. (laughs) And then you get the invisible ink, uh, like from a, from a, did it come free with a comic book or something? Yeah. It's the only time I've seen invisible ink. She's wearing like X-ray specs. (laughs) (laughs) She got sea monkeys. (laughs) She's got the full lot. Just to cover it. She's like, no, no, I just love all this crap. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a child at heart. I love this. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) 
and edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Um, Later in 1941, she and her entourage went to the French colonies in North Africa. The stated reason was Baker's health. Um, She was recovering from a case of pneumonia, which I think she'd had a few times. But the real reason was to continue helping the resistance. She continued to do this through illness, not just the pneumonia I mentioned, but also an infection that developed after a miscarriage requiring her to undergo a hysterectomy. So she she had this infection, the infection spread, and she developed... uh, peritonitis and then sepsis, so she's really unwell. Um, Her health wavered over the coming years but still didn't stop her Um, and the French, they had no organised entertainment network for their troops. You know how, like, there was always, wasn't Johnny Carson always went over and- Bill, no, Hope. Bob Hope, Hope. thank you. Bob Hope um, or Captain America was there to entertain (laughs) the troops. Um, The French didn't have, like, a a, a specific organised entertainment network, so Baker and her entourage took it upon themselves. Um, So she started touring to entertain British, French and American soldiers in North Africa. Just on the- at the trenches or wherever. Yeah. (laughs) And then held out a hat. hat. (laughs) I've also got a QR code. (laughs) Don't have cash, that's fine. That's okay. I understand. Uh, Can't carry cash in war, but surely you're carrying paper. We'll take that or Anzac Bickies. <laughs> Whatever you got. I will also accept uh, pictures of your girl back home. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she didn't charge any admission, didn't pass around a hat, um, and only allowed troops to attend, no civilians or like, yeah. So They got to pay. She was there entertaining the troops. Following D-Day and the liberation of Paris, Josephine returned to her adopted city wearing a military uniform. She was awarded the Resistance Medal by the French Committee of National Liberation. Um, the oh, I can't say that. Dave, you know French. Oh, please don't put this on <laughs> me. I can't even turn my can't even. around. Another, another medal. I, I could say it. Do you want me to say Yeah, it? what's this one? Croix de Guerre? Yeah. Yeah, that is Croix. Is it? Because there's a TISA member... Um, <laughs> Eugene de la Hot Croix Bun. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. So, so Croix I think de that's Croix de Guerre. I think that's about right. By the French military. And uh, she also got a Legion of Honor medal from Charles de Gaulle. So she's 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 got some she's got some medals on her. Mm. Which I think is very cool. Yeah. Um she quickly took note of how terrible conditions um, were affecting many French people after the Nazi occupation. So she sold pieces of jewellery and other valuables to raise money and buy food and coal for poor citizens of Paris. So she's quite, like, socially minded, which is nice. By this time she was married for the fourth time to French composer and conductor Jo Bouillon. Um, she's in her early 40s now, but she is reinvigorated post-war and her career picks back up again in a big way. From Wiki it says, Bolstered by recognition of her wartime heroism, Baker... The performer assumed a new gravitas, unafraid to take on serious music or subject matter. The engagement was a rousing success and re-established Baker as one of Paris's pre-eminent entertainers. In 1951, she was invited back to the US for a nightclub engagement in Miami. After winning a public battle over desegregating the club's audience, Baker followed up her sold-out run at the club with a national tour. Rave reviews and enthusiastic audiences accompanied her everywhere. So she's finally getting some success in the States. Right. The um, National Association for the Advancement of Coloured People granted her the title Woman of the Year 
which is huge as well. Because ah. she gets sort of right into um, the civil rights movement. Too. Many years later, of course, in Australia, Sportswoman of the Year. Sportswoman of the Year. It uh, was won by the horse Black Caviar. <laughs> yeah, we gave Sportswoman of the Year to a horse. Slightly beautiful, controversial. Beautiful stuff. Well, you know, we're <laughs> as a country, <laughs> I think we're pretty cool. I think we are pretty cool. I think we're pretty cool. Okay. Given that her previous shows and film roles had given her nothing but criticism, this successful tour is a huge deal. But it was a little short-lived. During that trip to the US, she and her husband Joe were refused reservations at 36 New York City hotels because of racial discrimination. Whoa. 36 different hotels refused them. She was like this huge star. Not that that should change anything, but you'd think... You do see examples sometimes of them turning a bit of a blind eye in that case when it's like somebody who's famous or rich, but not the case. Enraged by this treatment, she wrote articles about the segregation in the US. She refused to perform for a segregated audience. That Miami club offered her $10,000 to do so, and she refused, and they eventually gave in to her demands. And there was a bit of a ripple effect. Her insistence on mixed audiences helped to integrate live entertainment shows in other parts of the country as well. So... Yeah, she's kind of like she's been living in Paris where there isn't segregation and, uh, you know, she's treated like a person and then she goes back to the US and is is racially discriminated against and audiences are segregated and she's like, the fuck is this? Mm. Which I can understand would be a real weird sort of 180. However, after after this incident, it got a lot of press, she began receiving threatening phone calls from people claiming to be from the KKK but she said publicly she was not afraid of them, which is also pretty ballsy. That's badass. She's like, I went up against the freaking Nazis. She's like, I don't give a shit about the Ku Klux Klan. When they were, like, in charge of the country that I was living in. Yeah. She's like, whatever. I'm badass. She's pretty badass. So also in 51, this is all when she's in the US, She there was the a Manhattan nightclub, the Stork Club, which apparently she was at and they refused service. And she sort of openly criticised them for their unwritten policy of discouraging black patrons. Apparently, uh, Grace Kelly was there when that happened and, like, went over to Josephine Baker and, like, you know, took her and was like, I'm never coming back here, and left as well. And then those two became lifelong friends. Oh, cool. Princess Grace. Although Princess apparently Grace. Wikipedia it said she did go back like five years later, so she lied. Oh. So I'll never trust Princess Grace again. I thought Princess Grace's word was her bond. Apparently not. <laughs> but she's just, just yet another windbag. She is full of... I don't like swearing, but she's full of crap. Matthew. Sorry. That's a princess you're talking about. Well. A long dead princess. Yeah. Sound more princess of Monaco, more like princess of bullshit. Whoa. He said it. Maddie. I'm sorry. I've never seen you so worked up before. I'm sorry, but I just think if you say you're never going back to the whatever. Stork club. Stork club. Then you don't go back to the stalk club. You don't go back to the stalk club. Now, is this spelled S-T-A-L-K? No, S-T-O-R-K. Okay. O-R-K. Oh, okay. O-R-K. Should we all commit on this podcast right now that I am never going back to the stalk club? I won't commit to that because I have a dog shit memory and I'll forget. And what if I accidentally go to the stalk club? Yeah, right. And you'll be papped. We've got you. I know. And then they're like, Jess, we have you on the record saying, and I'm like, I don't remember anything. Yeah, never say never. I don't think I can be held accountable for anything I say on this podcast. I- Because I don't remember it the second we turn off the microphones. Yeah, I agree. Um, I can't say I'll never go back there. What if someone kidnaps me? 
put and the, takes you there. Puts a hessian sack on my head. Yeah. And dumps me at the store club. What if you want a drink and it's the only place? Yeah. What if I'm really thirsty? <laughs> what if there's a cool event on? <laughs> and I'm invited. And I'm invited. Or I somehow find myself there. Am I not to go? Yeah. Ridiculous. So, Grow Dave, up. I don't think you could possibly ask that of us. But Dave has said it on record. So, Dave, you can wait going. out the front for us. I will not never go to this club that shut down in 1965. <laughs> I'm on the record. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, the okay. sport club. Never got to see the Saints when they're one and only premiership oh, the next year. That is sad. Sorry. That is sad. Poor bastards. So anyway, she's had this uh, this incident at the Stork Club. She is like really publicly criticizing them for it. And then she called out Walter Winchell, who was a former vaudeville performer and now a columnist. I think he was a bit of a gossip columnist, for not sort of coming to her defense. And he retaliated with a series of rebukes and an accusation of communist sympathies, which at the time Massive deal. Big that's a big claim. That's a that's a career ruiner right there. So the ensuing publicity resulted in the termination of Baker's work visa. Because remember, she's given up her American citizenship. So she's there on a work visa now. So it forced her to cancel all of her engagements and return to France. And it was almost a decade before the US officials allowed her back into the country. Wow. Isn't that wild? Because of a gossip columnist. Calling her, saying she has communist sympathies. They're like, get out. Is it like, a, 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 like it's just the witch trial stuff. Yeah. All over again, right? And you just say, well, I heard they were 100%. That seems to have happened a lot around Goody that time. Baker. Communist. Yep. Commie. <laughs> More like I Commie Baker. Yeah. Commie. Let's throw her in the river. <laughs> if she floats, she's a commie. <laughs> <laughs> if she sinks, still a commie. She's a dead commie. She's a dead commie. The she's best kind commie. of commie. Yeah. Yeah, really strange. Um, so she's thrown out, but she really, um, she really threw herself at the at the whole civil rights movement. Um, she was really angered by the treatment she received in the U.S. This is, a, this is a quote from Wikipedia: "As the decorated war hero who was bolstered by the racial equality she experienced in Europe, Baker became increasingly regarded as controversial. Some black people even began to shun her, fearing that her outspokenness and racy reputation from her earlier years would hurt the cause." But she's just like, I don't give a fuck. I've experienced the opposite. Like, I get treated like a person in Europe. Um, and she just kept standing up um, for, yeah, against this racial segregation, against everything. In 63, she spoke at the March on Washington at the side of Martin Luther King Jr. Um, not everyone involved wanted Baker present at the march. Some thought her time overseas had made her a woman of France, one who was disconnected from the civil rights issues going on in America. In her speech, um, one of the things she said was, I have walked into the palaces of kings and queens and into the houses of presidents and much more, but I could not walk into a hotel in America and get a cup of coffee, and that made me mad. And when I get mad, you know that I open my big mouth and then look out because when Josephine opens her mouth, They'll hear about it all over the world. So she's just she's she pissed sa- off. She sounds she's like a real life Forrest Gump. She's just walking through the pages of history. Yes. This story's wild. So oh, she was next to Martin Luther King. Yeah. In nineteen sixty three. What? Yeah. She was there with the Nazis. What against the Nazis, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> a that's incredible. Isn't it wild? She's in Paris in the Jazz Age. Yeah. Like the, it's you hang out with Hemingway and Picasso. Yeah, just she's like one of the most famous people in Paris. Incredible. Amazing. I can't I can't believe this story. Has there been a big big budget movie made about her? Oh, there's been like she's been the subject of quite a few TV shows, movies, all sorts of stuff. I don't know if big I've seen budget, anything huge. Jess. I want a big budget. I don't think I've seen anything I big budget. I want Tom yet. Hanks to play her. <laughs> 
God, yes. God, he'd do a good job. He would do a good job, <laughs> wouldn't he? Oh, he would just capture her essence. I don't think there are many that could pull off Josephine Baker. No. But I think Hanks is one. I think- <laughs> Get Hanks on the line. We got a roll of a lifetime. <laughs> Send him a, a typewriter. He loves those. He loves typewriters. Apparently- after Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination, you'll find this wild, Matt, considering what you were just saying, his widow, Coretta Scott King, approached Baker in the Netherlands to ask if she would take her husband's place as leader of the civil rights movement. <laughs> and after many days of thinking it over, Baker declined, saying her children were too young to lose their mother. So she's like, I would love to, I'm honoured, but I can't lead the civil rights movement yeah. in America. I have a table uh, tennis tournament. Especially when it would be hard as well because she's like, and many of the people inside the movement Do thought not like I was me. Yeah, out of touch yeah. with the movement. So it would be a hard thing a, a hard thing to lead perhaps yeah. from that position. If you, especially if you're also trying to look after a couple of bloody little rug rats. Yeah, well, it's interesting because you might be thinking, children? I was thinking yes, that. Yes, I know. I am in your head. Uh, I'm in your head. I thought that, but I also thought, hmm, I obviously zoned out for a moment there. <laughs> no. Um, during her participation in the civil rights movement, Baker began to adopt children, forming a family which she often referred to as the Rainbow Tribe. She wanted to prove that children of different ethnicities and religions could still be brothers. And that part sounds kind of nice, but parts of this feel... Very off. So, oh, okay. See how you go with this. Right, yeah, the headline sounded good. Well, from Wikipedia, she often took the children with her cross country, and when they were at Chateau, at the Chateau, she arranged tours so visitors could walk around the grounds and see how natural and happy the children were in the rainbow tree. Oh, she had a human zoo. Her estate featured hotels, a farm, rides, and the children singing and dancing for the audience. She charged an admission fee to visitors who entered and partook in the activities, which included watching the children play. It's a yeah, small world. That's a bit after weird. All. Oh, that's really, really. It's and it's, it's tricky cre- because it's creepy, isn't it? We're just saying, like, what an impressive person. Yes. What a, a way to live life. Wow. And then you're like, oh, that's a bit crook. Charging admission is the thing that probably pushes it over the edge. It's like yeah. everyone's welcome. You know, we just have an open house here. Yeah. And yeah. you wouldn't say, and come and observe the children. Yeah. yeah they'd just be there and but, yeah. living their life. But if you'd be, be like, there's the free range paddock yes. over here. Yeah. Behind the bars here. That's our savannah where we let the children run free. And I, I thought you were going to say, it got a bit weird. She took the rainbow thing literally and painted each child <laughs> green, red, yellow, <laughs> indigo. But instead she's there like handing out bags of bread saying, you can feed the children. Yeah. You can. <laughs> just be, don't um, don't get too close. Yes. Just, they might bite your hand. Um, just, you know, uh, a closed fist at first. <laughs> let them sniff you. <laughs> Um, she created dramatic backstories for the children. What? She also raised them in different religions in order to further her model for the world, taking two children from Algeria and raising one child as a Muslim and the other as a Catholic. One member of the tribe, um, Jean-Claude Baker, said she wanted a doll. Essentially, she wants dolls. Mm. She's kind of forgetting these that, are That's one of her children said that. Yeah. So, a bit strange. In total, she raised 13 children, um, two daughters, French-born Marianne and Moroccan-born Stalina, and 11 sons, Japanese-born um, Jano and Akio, Colombian-born Louis, Finnish-born Jari, French-born Jean-Claude, Noel and uh, Moise, Algerian-born Brahim, uh, Iv- Ivorian-born Coffee, and Venezuelan-born Mara. 
Later on, she would become the legal guardian of another boy also named John Claude and considered him an unofficial addition to the Rainbow Tribe. So I include him in that as well. So you're unofficial, Jean Claude. <laughs> They okay. have two Jean Claudes. Okay, you're you're a standby Jean Claude, oh, and she's got them from all different places around the world. Understudy Jean Claude. Understudy, yeah, the air and the spare Jean Claude. Yeah, air and the spare. Air and the spare. That's a little strange, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Man, it was just all it was all just ticks until this point, wasn't it? <laughs> wow, what an awesome. It was ticks, ticks, all ticks, ticks. ticks. Like, <laughs> the first cross. Yeah, all yeah, pros, yeah. No cons. Incredible, incredible, incredible. Sorry. The, the human farm? But I couldn't not mention it, of could course. I? Of course not, no. Because but- then everybody who t- suggested it would be like, what the f- <laughs> why didn't you mention the rainbow tribe of It kids? sounds like she's lost her mind. It sounds like it sort of started from a good place, but then it went a bit sideways. Mm. I also did read, and I left it out, but I, I did read at one point one of them when it was about 15 uh, came out as gay and she kicked him out and made him go live with- her now ex-husband, but she was bi. Mm. Like she- I think she's learned a lot from uh, being persecuted through her whole life. Yeah. She's like, no, that's different. Is it because it wasn't the storyline for that that, that yeah, quote-unquote character? Maybe. I've written you an arc. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> this isn't yeah. in it. You'll become- no, this isn't it. You'll be coming back. This is redemption. Yes. You'll be coming back. Jean-Glaude too. <laughs> He's gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, that's kind of interesting. Because uh, like you say, possibly a good place- I don't, I've obviously no idea. I haven't done any of the research, but is she trying to show the world that everyone can live together, everyone yes, can get along? That seems like the kind of vibe. Yes, but it is strange. But to also, have, don't be gay. Yeah. Also, do not be gay because I haven't decided that for you, and I've picked your religion. I've picked your religion. Yeah. Uh, you don't do that. Uh, you're this person now, and then also people pay to see you. It's it is a bit. I don't know. Off. And I did read that, like in a in an interview in like 2003 or something. Angelina Jolie kind of credited Josephine Baker because, you know, Angelina Jolie has- They say the rainbow- Yeah, she says- Has adopted- A a rainbow family. I've seen someone say that maybe. Yeah, something like that. That's what I thought when you said rainbow family. I'm like, oh, that's like uh, Jolie. Exactly. And so she said- But it's tricky because, I mean, it's not a bad thing to give a home to somebody who needs a home, but- To collect them from around the world. And to charge admission. Yeah. And I think think you could- you could achieve what you wanted to achieve there without, um, like, making it such a spectacle. I think just by living your life with your children of many ethnicities all seeing each other as their own family. Which is more of a Jolie, the Jolie method, right? Yeah, I guess. I don't think she charges admission. I don't think so, <laughs> but I haven't checked recently. But, yeah, no, I think, I mean, I don't know, but nah. it does also feels like just, like, particularly going around the world and taking kids away from not only their you know, their yeah. local neighbourhoods, but their whole country. Yeah. saying, hey, let's see how you go in this uh, public zoo. Yeah. Bit, yeah. A bit strange. But fascinating and weird. Who am I to judge? Yeah. You know? Just because you, you adopt d- local. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean everybody else. Yeah, it's a rescue. <laughs> <laughs> how uh, old? He's six. <laughs> Came with a name. Can't change it. Yeah. <laughs> Keith. <laughs> <laughs> It's a Dachshund. (laughs) In her later years, Baker was in a bit of financial strife. She lost the chateau due to unpaid debts, and her close friend, Princess Grace of Monaco, let her live in an apartment that she owned in southeastern France. Beautiful. She was back on stage at the the Olympia in Paris in 1968 and then at Carnegie Hall in 73, 
And at the Royal Variety Performance at the London Palladium um, in Paris, 1974. So she's like in the 60s and 70s, she's like, she's back. Um, she starred in a retrospective review at the Babino in Paris, um, celebrating her 50 years in show business. The review, financed by Prince Rainer, Princess Grace, and Jackie, uh, Jackie Onassis, opened to rave reviews. Wow, incredible financiers. Right? <laughs> Demand for seating was such that fold-out chairs had to be added to accommodate spectators. Like, she was massive. The opening night audience included Sophia Loren, Mick Jagger, Shirley Bassey, Diana Ross, and Liza Minnelli. Holy All shit. went to see her. Crazy. So that was in um, uh, 75. Um, and so- how old was she in her 70s? Yeah. Uh, 60, 68? It was only like 50 years in entertainment. So she's 52. Yeah, 50, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right. Celebrating 50 years. Also her 50th wedding anniversary. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But she's not even 70 and it's her 50th. 50 years in showbiz. Mm. That's incredible. Crazy. Right? So, yeah, opening night, that's a huge, huge lineup of people going to see her. They, they cannot fit everybody in. That many people want to come see the show. Four days later, Baker was found lying peacefully in her bed, surrounded by newspapers with glowing reviews of her performance. She was in a coma after suffering a cerebral hemorrhage and she was taken to hospital where she died age 68 on April 12, 1975. Wow. That, it's a, wow, that's sad. And, well, actually, it sounds like not a bad way to go. Sounds Is kind that of, a painful way to go? I don't know. But you know what they say, never read the reviews. <laughs> that's but, right. But they I can be of, deadly. <laughs> I kind of like good that ones. she yeah, was found surrounded by that praise. Nice. Like, yeah. that feels her, you yeah. know? And also that she finally- uh, uh, yes. Uh, she obviously had a lot of praise, but also had negative cr- and criticism that was uh, unfounded and, and, and racist. Yeah. So it's nice that- She sort of had this this huge show where a lot of people wanted to see her. Yes. Some of the most famous people in the world wanted to see her and were there at her show, people that credit her with um, inspiring them. If and you, then she just dies surrounded by praise. If you listed the things she- the different things she saw in her life and the things she achieved, I would have said- oh, Probably died at 140, yeah. 150. 68. Yeah. 68. But that's you, that's the thing. If you do that much in life, you don't need to live to 140. No, you squeeze it She's in. She's done. Just squeezing it all in. It's amazing. That's why I'm going to live a long life. <laughs> I need to. I'm spreading it out. Yeah, you I are need- getting nothing done. Mick Jack has not come to a single one of my shows, <laughs> <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> you'd know. Oh, oh yeah, you'd know. Yeah. Prancing about. <laughs> yeah. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I think he got some funny. of his dance styles from her. <laughs> Oh, geez. <laughs> he started off at the end of a, a chorus line as well. <laughs> People are like, oh, maybe you should, um, Mick, sorry, Mick. Maybe you should start your own thing. You be a front man. Your ass is too high in the air. Your ass is too high. you got to stop. So, yeah, sadly all good things must come to an end. But someone with such a varied and successful career who also did so much for others is bound to leave behind quite a legacy. Writing in the online BBC magazine in late 2014, Darren Royston, historical dance teacher at RADA, credited Baker with being the Beyonce of her day and bringing the Charleston to Britain. Oh, Dave, you mentioned the Charleston earlier. Yeah. Not on pod. I believe that was on a different podcast. Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking, going back, going back, going back. But no. you did mention it, and my little brain went, oh, oh I know this is coming Have up. I got something about the the Charleston for you? Two of Baker's sons, Jean-Claude and uh, Jari, grew up to go into business together, running the restaurant Chez Josephine um, in New York City. Any relation? Yes. <laughs> 
It celebrates Baker's life and work, which is nice. The chateau where she lived and raised her children is open to the public and displays her stage outfits, including her banana skirt, which apparently there are actually several of. It also displays many family photos and documents, as well as her Legion of Honor medal. Well, I'll never go there. Not as long as Princess Grace is still alive. She's dead. Okay, great. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go to the chateau. <laughs> um, in May 2021, an online petition was set up asking that Josephine Baker be honoured by being reburied at the Pantheon in Paris or be granted the Pantheon honours, which would make her the on- only the sixth woman at the at the mausoleum. So that was in May. In August of that year, 2021, French President Emmanuel Macron announced that Baker's remains would be reburied at the Pantheon in November that year following the petition and continued request from Baker's family. Wow, that's quite an honour. And at six uh, women sounds like a low number, but people got to remember that women don't naturally grow in France. That's right. So they're all imports um, from other countries. Yes, I don't think a lot of people know that, but yeah, I genuinely, there, there think, aren't Ma- no- I genuinely think Marie Curie is is buried there, and she was Polish. Yeah, exactly. So that so there's no. F- I could be wrong. Women aren't right. uh, can't be born in France. They can't. It's like you know, like with chickens, the certain heat on the eggs. Yeah, will make it a, a male or a female. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the climate in France means only, only boys. Only are born. boys. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to have a girl, you got to leave France. Yeah, you got to leave France. I'm afraid. Cross um, over the border, go to Monaco, hang out with that dog, Grace. <laughs> That disloyal friend. Um, so, yeah, they they essentially it was like a symbolic casket. They, they were like, we're not going to totally rebury her there, but they, they buried a casket that contained soil from various locations where she'd lived. So, St. Louis, Paris, south of France and Monaco. Oh, so she's not in the box. It's just dirt. Yeah. It there, was- is there any greater honour than having some dirt in a box buried for you? I think it's beautiful. There's probably a plaque too. That's nice. That is nice. I wouldn't say no to a plaque. Yeah, I'd take a plaque. Um, but th- so they they did that, and she became the first black woman to be honoured in the secular temple to the great men of the French Republic. Oh, so only the sixth woman, first black woman, pretty cool. She's been the subject or inspiration for countless film, TV shows, documentaries, stage performances, books, poems, songs, and pieces of art. And I can't believe I hadn't heard of her. Yeah, which is wild. So Kristen D. Burton sums it up nicely, I think. Far more than a vaudeville dancer and a jazz singer, Josephine Baker was a force of nature who vaulted racial barriers of the era and achieved the highest level of celebrity. Her status became a shield behind which she could fight the horrors of the Nazi regime. Fearless and outspoken, Josephine found new ways to challenge those who sought to diminish or silence the suffering or oppressed. In strengthening her own voice, she found innumerable ways to both charm and resist. How cool is that? So cool. What a life. Incredible life. Josephine Baker, the showgirl spy. One, Maybe that's what I'll call it. That's pretty cool. One, Yeah, one of the most incredible uh, life stories I've ever heard. Yeah. And I'm actually glad that she was a weird human zookeeper. <laughs> and yeah, because for a while there, I'm like, come on, yeah. Josephine, save some for the rest of us. Yeah, yeah, give me something. Yeah. Give me something to feel better I'm than like, you okay, about. I'm like, okay, well, I've never done that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whereas through the rest of the report, you're like, I've never done that. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. never done that. And then that one, you're like, well, um. I've never done that. <laughs> and there's a difference, an yes. important difference. Mm. So, yeah, there you go. That's the story of Josephine Baker. Thank you to everybody who suggested that topic. That has to be up there with one of the most suggested topics. 
Still in the hat, do you think? Probably, yeah. yeah. And it like uh, I did put it up to the vote, and it um, quite clearly won very early on. People right. were like, "This sounds great." So, um, and and I, it probably came from. I remember a little while ago being like, "There aren't. There's like it's a bit of a dude fest in the in the suggestions." So if you know a story of like a pretty badass lady, let us know. And I think a lot of these people did because some of these suggestions go back for a while. Yeah, and anyone can suggest a topic at any time. Do go on pod.com. There's a little thing that says suggest a topic. If you scroll down. Click that. Tell us why we should do it, and we'll probably get to it. Yeah. And, and there's a drop-down uh, category selector as well. Yeah. Maybe I should add a new one. Woman. <laughs> that would be it? good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll help us find women in the hat. <laughs> Woman. Woman. <laughs> <laughs> what category should I put on her? Woman. Woman. Mm. So, I feel like doing a biography this week. No, maybe I feel like doing some sort of event. No. Woman. Woman. <laughs> so, yeah. Pretty great story. There you go. Loved it. What a report, Jess. I loved it from minute to end. From minute to from end? From minute to end. The first minute didn't like, but from the minute mark to the end, <laughs> yeah. loved it. And most of that first minute was Dave. Yeah. Dave's intro. I didn't want to say that, but yeah. Fair cop. So, Fair I actually, that cop. was a huge bit of praise for me, and I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> but now- it is time to move on. Okay, Jess? <laughs> okay, Dave. And Dave. Let's stop sitting stop here. Stop it. I haven't, I haven't spoken for an hour and a half because I just thought, <laughs> I really fucked up that first minute. I sounded like an idiot. <laughs> yes, so, you did. why'd I say that? We spend about half an hour at the end of the show, sometimes up to 40 minutes, sometimes down to 20 minutes. Yeah. What? Who's to know how efficient like we can already- be? We're in the 40. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a stop the clock. Oh, we're now. hitting a 40. But we start- uh, and end, and and middle <laughs> by Christ. thanking some of our great supporters. And if you want to be one of these supporters, go to patreon.com slash do go on pod, bunch of different levels. Jess, what are some of the things you can get involved with? You there? can get a Christmas card once a year, not all the time. Um, you can get access to uh, bonus episodes, three bonus episodes a month. You get into the Facebook group, the kindest corner of the internet. We love it. Early access to tickets for live shows and all sorts of fun stuff that we do. And, yeah, it's just a beautiful place, a beautiful way to support the show. Oh, it's so beautiful. Uh, and the first thing we do is for the people who sign up on the Sydney Scheinberg level or above, Yes. Uh, we get to give them a fact, a quote, or a question. No, they give them to us. <laughs> Forget what I just said. They give them to us. We don't give them to them. Yep. And uh, they also get to give themselves a title. And I read them out for the first time on the episode. Mm -hmm. So, you'll be listening to me going, geez, it sounds like he's rehearsed this. Well, I haven't. He's just just that that good. good. (laughs) Uh, And this week, uh, to kick us off, uh, we have a jingle, I think. The section (laughs) of the show has a jingle. goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. Huh, always wow. remembers the ding. Huh, she always remembers the sing. Thanks for clearing your throat there, Jess. I don't know if you realise that, but that actually jogged my memory. Oh, no, yeah. I was just preparing to do the jingle. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> uh, the first one this week comes from Andriana Genaldi. You've absolutely nailed that. Absolutely. No that, notes. Yeah, and it does sound like you first. Well, it's only because I would have said Andriana Ginaldi, uh, but it says after that in brackets, the A's are pronounced like ah, as in ah, yes, I see that you know your judo well. <laughs> ah, yes. Oh, if you could make Andriana em- everything to do like in life, yeah. like compare it to that video, I'd be a lot happier. There was a period of time, and it was while we were touring, that any yes from any of us was an uh, ah, yes. Ah, yes. Do you want to go get coffee? Ah, yes. <laughs> And Andriana's uh, title is Junior Cat Herder. Andriana is asking a question as well. 
uh, writing, it's starting to get colder I am, and that means it's soup season. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's really tickled you. Yeah. Like a date circled on the calendar and it says oh. first soup of the season. Soup season. Uh, what is your favourite type of soup to have on a cold day? Uh, <laughs> and Andriana uh, has done what I always ask. If you ask a question, please answer it yourself. Andri- and Andriana. Andriana yes. has done that. Um, so I'll read Andriana's answer first. Favorite soup? I'm a fan of the Italian wedding soup. Oh. If I want a soup to be the main dish and of butternut squash soup as a side. Italian what does wedding that mean? Oh my God, it came up immediately. The problem with it is, you know, how many Italian weddings do you get invited to? Green vegetables and meat in chicken broth, apparently. It does look good on the images I'm looking at. Yeah. My favorite, uh, I think, is probably. Uh, the butternut squash soup. I just call it pumpkin, pumpkin soup. Yep. I just love a creamy pumpkin soup. Delicious. Oh my with gosh. some buttered toast. Oh, yes. On a cold day. Yep. It's been my favorite since I was a kid. My taste buds have not matured since. Yeah, I still go for like a can of tomato soup. I still can't handle Tomato soup always- Too acidic? Too, too, I thought too sweet, but maybe yeah. it is acidic. But there was something as a kid, I just couldn't get around it. Because mm. I, I, think- I love tomatoes in every other form. Yeah. I think it's great the first spoonful, but it's just exactly that over and over again for yes, me. 100%, yes. Pumpkin okay. soup. No, tomato. Oh, tomato soup. I love pumpkin. But my favorite soup, growing up, legendary in my family, my grandma would make what we called green soup. Which was broccoli soup. Okay. And I didn't love eating vegetables as a child, but this somehow yeah. pureed it. Yeah. Uh, probably because of the esophagus issues that we were undiagnosed at that stage. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's mostly broccoli, but then also a bit of potato and a bit of carrot oh, yeah. boiled down. A bit, bit of stock just give in it a there. Just give it a bit of oomph. Yeah, and it is so good. Yum. I imagine also part of it would have just been the association with yeah. dear grandmama. Exactly. Um, you know what the other main ingredient was? Love. Love. Mm. And she lived in the country about four hours away, so we only maybe went up there two or three times a year. Yeah. She came down maybe a couple of times. So it was only, you know, a few times a year that we'd be getting it. So it was ultra special. And I still, I can just look back and taste it. And you know what the other secret ingredient was? Rum. (laughs) (laughs) You were drunk. Uh, Thank you so much. Ah, Drian. Next one comes from Jacoby Austin D'Angel. Uh, who's given himself the title of Asker of the Same Question. Third time's a charm. Oh. Not the charm either. A charm. Oh, we're going to finally get Jess's answer <gasps> to this question? Oh, my what God. Yes, we've been asked this twice. You know how you always bail on us before this section of the show, like you never hear? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, uh, well, two of the times that that's happened, um, this question has been asked, and you specialise in it. So Yeah, you're the expert. Jacoby's gone for one oh my t- God. more time. And Jacoby, I'm so we, sorry. We couldn't believe the second time that you went here again because we said, "Ask, please ask this again. We'll get Jess and then, uh, and then we'll know. Yeah. And then I, you actually, went- I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, I think you, you would be good at answering this. Uh, Jacoby writes. I'm good at answering anything. When I noticed that Jess was gone for episode 420, Blaze It, I quietly thought to myself, wouldn't it be funny if this is when my fat quota question, which I resent weeks earlier in the hopes she'd be there to answer it, was read out? And in some ironic twist, that's exactly what happened. So I'm writing the same FQQ, hoping that Jess is there to answer this time around. My question is, which Parks and Rec character are you? And which are all of us? We tried to have a go. Oh, great. Matt and I have- like seen a bit of it, but not enough to like know mm. all the oh, characters. Oh, fantastic! Okay, so we were like, "Please, Jess, just tell us who we are." Great. Do you okay. remember who you thought you might be? Because don't tell her. See, if we're right. Yeah, I think I think someone maybe in the 
in the Facebook group maybe gave us uh, assigned us names, oh, but I've forgotten them already. I didn't see that. Okay, great. Was four twenty the one where I got hit by a car? <sighs> yes, it was. It was the Man in Black episode with Alistair Trumbull. So Virtual. I hope you feel pretty bad. Well, no, I just think you got to stop blazing it, Bob. Yeah, before while I rising, get on a bike, <laughs> rising and riding. Um, okay, well, I and this is what I this is what I, I'm Leslie. I'm a Leslie Nope. Pretty much 100%. We um, thought- I think we got yeah, that. Yeah. I think that was because that was the only name we knew. I have been- re- I just finished watching it again. And yeah, there are so many Leslie Nope scenes where my partner just sort of goes, that's you. I'm like, shut up. I know. Um, but I might have to do combos for you too. Okay. Because I think- Oh, Dave, I think you're a- You're a bit of a Chris Traeger, but also potentially a bit of a Tom- uh, Chris Traeger is Rob Lowe. That's correct. Oh, okay. I've got the characters in front of me. Oh, I'm like, I would have been like, this who is, is Chris? meaning and nothing. And who, who else? Tom Aziz Ansari. Oh, okay. I think that we yeah. said that I was Ben the nerdy one. Nah, you oh. wish you were fucking Ben. Who's Ben? Fuck, I love Adam Ben. Scott? Adam Scott. Isn't he like the super uptight boring one? Uh, okay. <laughs> Tell me you haven't actually seen the show. Yeah, he is uptight. Um, he's he's tightly wound. He he's, he's not boring. He's a bit of a dork. I guess you could be a Ben- Okay, mm. coming around to it. No, but I'm happy to. I, but I, but I mean it as a. Uh, I, I I mean Chris Traeger is um, ultra pleasant, incredibly polite. Like he's like super positive. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm loving that. He's, yeah. He's he's great. Like he, um, oh, he does need a lot of therapy though. Maybe you're a Ben. But Tom, what, what, I don't what necess- elements of Tom so is this Ansari's character? Tom is like one of my least favorite characters, and that's why you see. That's why I see it. No, but I think he is. He is an entrepreneur. Uh, he is like, um, nah, you're not Tom. Maybe, maybe you are a Ben, but there's someone else in there too. And I, can- oh, you're a Ben and a Jerry. You're Ben and Jerry. <laughs> There's a Ben and Jerry on there. Yeah, this, yeah. This is because of the ice cream. So the long running joke with Jerry is that. Anything he does, everybody, like, teases him for it or, like, they get mad at him for doing his job or, he, like, he does something well and they yell at him. He does something badly, they laugh at him. His name's not even Jerry, is that right? That's right. Um, but he has a smoking hot wife <laughs> um, and he has, like, this- that This does sound like Dave. I think part of why it's funny <laughs> or part of why you don't feel bad- uh, as an audience member laughing along with this joke, is that Jerry's life is fantastic. Like, he has a beautiful family. He loves his wife. He has, like, you know, so it, it's all kind of, it's water off a duck's back to him because he is a, a very complete person. So you're a Ben and you're a Jerry. Matt. <laughs> okay. See a Jerry and a Ben. <laughs> Matt's true. No, Matt is definitely not a Ben. But he's not a Ron. No, because Ron's got a lot of practical skills. And you're not as dumb as Andy. Hmm, tricky. But you are very dry and kind of low, like I say this with love, lowish energy. Mm-hmm. So you might be a bit of an April. Is she? Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza. Plaza. I think you could I've be. I've got be- big, beautiful eyes. Oh, yeah, you're beautiful. Um, I think you could be. I think you're a bit of an April and an Andy. April Andy. Chris Pratt. They're, yeah. they're a husband and wife and, like, they're complete I'm opposites. Their you're their child. You're yeah, Jack, I'm the worst their child. of both of this. <laughs> yeah, the you're the trust. best of both of them. Oh, best of both of them. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Because Andy is like he's dumb, and I don't, I don't think you're dumb. But Andy is also like super loyal and like a lot of fun, and yeah. So I reckon, I reckon you're an April and an Andy, and I'm just a straight up Leslie. Wow. There's a list of characters I've got here. One of them is uh, just John Cena. <laughs> 
Because oh. he was by himself. Well, Dave, uh, so Jess nearly ran him over. <laughs> yeah, I did. That's true. Do you see me as a cross between John Cena and anyone? When the fuck is John Cena in it? I don't know. Anyway. I got lost in that. That's great. I could we, think about I'm going to keep thinking about that because I don't got, know if I've 100% nailed it, but I am a Leslie and maybe an Anne, but they're, you know, they're just best friends. I have I am an intense best friend. Yes. Let me just double check. Did Jacoby answer this question? And uh, I can answer your question. John Cena was in season seven. Uh, when? Jacoby says- if she's gone again, I'll take it as a sign and change gears for my next fat quota question. I will say Dave is definitely Ben, Adam Scott's character, but I would suggest that Matt is closer to Eagleton Ron. <laughs> what does that mean? That's not bad. So, <laughs> uh, Pawnee and its uh, rival town, Eagleton, oh. join and, and they have a merger and there is another... Like a bizarro Ron. Kind of, but like the two sort of parks departments have to come together and they have to decide who they keep, who who goes. And there's uh, the leader of, of that parks department is Ron. Um, and initially, Pawnee Ron is like, oh, good, I like this guy. But then it turns out he's a bit of a hippie and Ron really hates him. Right. Like he's really like positive and um, <laughs> like he like he doesn't, doesn't get his hair cut. His hair just sort of. Um, falls off when it's ready and something like, like <laughs> falls off. <laughs> yeah, it's really stupid That's and really, really funny. funny. I love it. Oh, cheers, Jacoby. I'm glad we finally got that question. Did Jacoby say who I was? Leslie? No, he didn't say, but oh. I guess. Hang on. Did he say? No, he didn't. But he- I think I think everyone just agrees you're Leslie. Yeah. Uh, it's not even up for and discussion. John Cena is in the episode that I always skip. That's oh, why. Oh, yeah. That's what, why I forgot he's it? in it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just like it's a it's an episode within the series. Like it's. By that stage, Andy has his own TV show called the Johnny Karate Show, and it's an entire episode of the Johnny Karate Show. And I just, I usually don't watch it. Oh right, I skip over it. But it's meant to be a good episode, right? But you don't need to watch it over and over. Yeah. Um. Okay. The next one comes from Sky, uh, with the title of "Just a Weird Little Person." Okay. <laughs> and Sky asks a question, writing, "Hello, Jess, Matt." And David Zest. Ah, yes. Oh, yes. I'm afraid I have rebranded as David Coupe, though. <laughs> <laughs> Please address me accordingly. <laughs> David Coupe, drive away no more to pay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the question is, what is your silliest tattoo? And if you don't have a weird one, what's your favourite? Uh, but Sky does uh, answer their own question saying, my dumbest one is LXIX on my right forearm. LXIX is 69. In Roman numerals. Nice. That's funny. Uh, my favourite is a skull mandala. Ooh. Also on my right forearm. I don't, am I saying mandala right? Yeah. Uh, all right, I can answer this. Dave's is his zebra keyboard. It's that's, his only tattoo. Yes, because that's my favourite and worst. <laughs> yeah. And stupidest. Is that the question? Was it stupid? Uh, yeah, I think so. Silliest, I think. Silliest. A yeah. nicer way of it, it saying It is whimsical, stupid. it is silly, and it is my only one. So it's my favourite, yeah. George. I don't want to bet you, Bob. Um, or I would argue that most tattoos are a bit silly. Mm. I think any really sincere tattoo, it then goes into silly anyway. Mm. I think the worst one is my first one, which is the the thing on my the the re- rewind sign on my wrist, just because it's too thick. She said that's the thinnest needle you can do, and I've since had much thinner mm. tattoos done. Technology's come on. Hasn't it just? Since the olden days when you got that done, Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> and I do have- I've got a Paul Kelly quote on my arm, and I just have to- Cross my fingers, he never gets cancelled. Because mm. that'll be so awkward. 
Yeah. But you have the silliest one. Which one? Oh, the, the more recent one, oh, I think, is sillier. Beer can. In a good way. Beer can cowboy. Yeah. You yeah. got a beer can cowboy. That it's rules. Silly. But designed by Mr. Heggie. Mm. And I got it during the filming of the second season of Beer Pioneer, which hasn't come out, but I think it's it's being edited at the moment. Ah. Long process, yeah, that one. Yeah, because I feel like you've had that tap for a while. I feel, did I film that last year? I can't even remember. I think it was last year, probably about a year ago. Wow. Or even more. How many episodes? It must be hundreds. I think it's going to be 10 episodes, maybe. <laughs> hundreds of episodes? Hmm. Um, yes. So, yeah, I guess that is. My other one's pretty silly as well. It's flames on my leg. They're all silly. Yeah, they're all pretty silly. All uh, tattoos are silly. But, I mean, 69 in Roman numerals that's, is. That's a level of silly I can get around. I love it. I, I, the moment that they thought of it. Yeah. That's a funny moment. My uh, uh, old mate, Arnie, he was bored one day at, at school. Uh, so, he, he went out and got left and right tattooed under his feet. Oh. On the foot. On the, yeah, like, sole of his feet. feet. Oh, apparently that kills. Yeah, but it's the most painful, but also the, it's where they wear away from quicker. So, he's like, it's no- you know, it doesn't really matter. It's like, well, <laughs> why are we doing it then? Why do it if it's excruciatingly painful and it won't last? And no came- one can see it. Yeah. He- I liked it about it. But Did yeah. he come back to class and was like, check this yeah. out? Limping in. I, th- I mean, it- yeah, I, was- I thought it was a bit that of fun. That hurt. Uh, pretty silly. And what can I confirm was left on left? Left on left. Oh, okay. good. Because it would have been funny to do the other way around. Yeah. Mm. Or two lefts. <laughs> mm, you know what I'm like. <laughs> uh, the last one this week comes from Matthew Abad, pronounced... A bad. Oh, <laughs> nailed it. And <laughs> Matthew's title is The One Mama Jama Who Dares to Be Good. And it's a quote. Oh, we love a quote. This quote comes uh, comes from Stephen King's IT. How did you do a movie about computers? <laughs> and it is, you can't be careful on a skateboard, man. <laughs> Far out. This quote. That makes you think. This quote is spoken by a child to a 39-year-old man. It's a bit of a thematic reminder that life can sometimes be unpredictable and even scary, but that's the life that's worth living. Uh, Being in my 30s myself, I remind myself of this quote so I can hopefully never grow out of getting uncareful from time to time. Mm. Uh, So, to all you doogies out there, remember, you can't be careful on a skateboard, man. (laughs) I love it. I reckon that's a tattoo ready to go, Matthew. Yeah. A bad. A bad. Uh, thank you so much to Matthew Sky, Jacoby, and Andriana uh, for those fantastic facts, quotes, and questions. Uh, the other thing we like to do is shout out to a few of our other fantastic Patreon supporters. Uh, Jess, you normally come up with a bit of a game based on the uh, topic. You'll of never the day. believe what I've done. I will not. So, you know how I love a horse name generator? We love that you love it. I was able to find a song name generator. You can put in a mood and a genre. So I have found I have chosen romance slash love and the genre of jazz. Oh, so I'm going to give them a jazz song. All right, Dave. Why don't we go one for one? If Jess is going to be doing all the things, mano mano. All right. Well, I'll kick us off. <laughs> I got a great one. If I can thank from Akakik in MD, what? maybe Maryland? Maryland in the United States, it's Michael Hemphill, famous for their song "I Believe in Lounge." Oh yeah, that's good. You believe in lounge after lounge. I believe in a thing called lounge. Yeah, <laughs> so many. Uh, I would like to th- pay tribute and say thank you from Tom Ball in Texas, Cammy Jamison. Ooh, oh, my Cammy God. Jammy. Cammy Jammy. What Tom about Ball. what about afternoon? Uh, what about afternoon? There's not a question. Afternoon. So it's like, what about afternoon? Yeah. 
Why'd you leave afternoon out? What's your favourite time of day? It's all Mood, questions. Night. It's all questions. Midnight. Uh, morning. What about afternoon? Midday. <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe in afternoon? Uh, can I thank from- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Belcars or Belcare in, I reckon, Saskatchewan in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's fire. With a pH. Oh, and convenient because the next one I had was that warms your game. Oh yeah, it really does. Yeah. And fire already had a that sweet warms game, your game already. That warms your game. That's it makes good. sense when you hear the song. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, from right here in Melbourne, a big shout out and thank you to Liam Ware or Liam War. Probably Ware. Just a light drink. <laughs> oh, okay. Isn't that good? Just a tipple. It's so That's jazzy. A classy order too. Yeah. Oh, I've got a great one. Keeping, yep. keeping a little mystery alive. Just a light drink. Anything in particular? Surprise me. Surpr- yeah, yes. I'm nah. a jazz man. Doop-a-doop-up. It's more about the alcohol you don't put in the glass. <laughs> oh, not tequila. Do you think Thank jazz you. lovers are really over? Yeah, I think they might be. <laughs> over that joke. Uh, Blakeview from, I'm saying this in a jazzy way, Blakeview from South Australia it's Caitlin Dowden. Caitlin Dowden. I believe in a thing called world. <laughs> Remember, wow. these are AI. These How are AI. How does it do it? It keeps generating these brand new ideas. I believe in a thing called world. Yeah. Some people don't believe in the world, but I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what, what shape is it? <sighs> I tell you what. Cube. It's cube. <laughs> Cubic. It's a world gone mad, uh, which was the name of a Screaming Jets album from the late 90s and on the cover. Was the world as a cube? Wow, that is mad. They were ahead of their time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I'd also love to thank from North Ridgeville in God's country itself, Ohio, in the United States. It's Captain Bon Clay. Captain Bon Clay, and Matt, you'll love this one because this is called "Loving Love," mm. and you do love. I love. love love more than anything. Yeah. I love Honestly. Love. I don't know a lot about love, but I know what I like, and that's love. A little line from my festival show last year. That's how good it was. Wow, you're quoting yourself here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do you uh, mind if I jump back in? Oh, please. I would like to thank from Dunblane in Scotland, mm-hmm. Ewan Morrison. It's another one that makes sense when you hear the song, but it's called First Time of Sounds. Oh, yeah. I still remember my first time. Of sounds? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What was the sound? It changed my life. It was, oh, God, damn it. Oh, it's torn me apart. <laughs> um, I did two in a row there, didn't I, Dave? So, you want to do two in a row? Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for noticing me <laughs> and writing this wrong. Uh, from Sorrel in Tasmania, Melanie Gleason. Uh, famous for main squeeze moves. Oh, that's, oh, that's, that's good. That's the best so far. Main squeeze moves. Yeah. Let me show you some of that's my main squeeze. That's my main squeeze. Oh, okay. We took it in a different- And that's the beauty of art. You can you can interpret it in all sorts of different ways. And your side squeeze can have different moves. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly better. Yep. But different. Different. And finally, I'd love to thank from McKay. <laughs> McKay? Mackay. From Mackay. <laughs> I was yeah. laughing. I was laughing at the song. From Mackay in Queensland in Australia. It's- <laughs> Lauren Mount Me. <laughs> Lauren Mount Me. I barely even. Yeah, no, it doesn't yeah. really work when they're, Lauren, they're already doing. Lauren everything. is. I'm just going to try to save you here, mate. Lauren, famous for whatever happens tomorrow, I had my choice. <laughs> Jeez, the robots try so hard to think, isn't it? Whatever happens tomorrow, I had my, I had cho- my choice. Oh, Lauren Mount Me. 
Thank you so much to Lauren, Melanie, Ewan, Captain Bon, Caitlin, Liam, Fire, Cammy, and Michael. The last thing we need to do here is welcome a few people into the Triptych Club. Dave, you explain it so well. How does it work? This is our basically our tribute show, our lounge, our clubhouse, our hangout zone, our chill pad for people that have been supporting the show for three consecutive years on the shout out level or above we've already given them a nickname or something earlier on to enshrine them forever we welcome them into the hall of fame your name goes up on the board it goes on a plaque you run in to the zone which is uh, it's a bit of theater of the mind we've got a band that changes every week yep. we've got uh, just behind the bar with mm-hmm. some food and cocktails it's a uh, it's, it's a lovely place to be yep. i'm the doorman and uh, i've got the list of names three names on the list tonight when i read out your name you run on in Dave will be on the stage. I'm seeing the show hyping up with some weak word play. Jess, you're behind the bar. What's the uh, drink this week? We got French martinis. Oh, Going to put a little French flag in them just for fun. Yeah, I got some escargot. It was really gross. Please don't eat them. I've befriended all of the snails. Oh yeah, they are my friends now. Yeah, don't eat them. Please don't eat them. But we do have French fries. Also, I have befriended the French fries. Yeah, so please don't eat them. Please don't eat this week. Just don't eat. Just drink. Just drink like on an empty lunch. stomach. You'll be fine. Yeah. And Dave, you've booked a band. Who you got? You're never gonna believe it. I didn't know that this subject would be set in France. And we have one of France's greatest bands joining us this week. Yes. It is Ultra Vomit. Oh, <laughs> my God. Are you serious? But they will be playing exclusively tracks that Josephine herself would have played. Because okay. in this, you can book anyone, including living and dead people. And yeah. this week's episode was about an entertainer. Yeah, you couldn't have gotten Josephine. She was- well, obviously, that you might be coming out. Yeah, yeah. That might be next week. I don't know. It's a good point. People yeah. often confirm at the last minute, people of this high caliber, they don't want their schedule being published in advance. Dave, are you ready to hype some people up? Let me, Adam. All right, here we go. Three names this week, Dave. Firstly, welcome in to the club. Uh, you can never leave, which is a good thing, from Brooklyn in New York City. It's Brandon Wang. <laughs> Brandon <laughs> Brandon Wang, here for a good hang. Woo! Yes. Uh, from High Wickham in Western Australia, it's Tamara Potts. Uh, Tamara Potts. Uh, uh, I've got the hots. For Tamara Potts. For Tamara Potts, yeah. yeah Not your value, but your hot. Yeah, 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 yeah. And finally from Triorki in Great Britain, it's Chris Williams. More like Great Chris Williams, Great Britain. I'm guessing I've got Triorki pretty badly that wrong there. That cannot be Triorki. <laughs> How would you say Triorki. Triorki. Drinking Triorki? Is it in- Trochi. Does the name Chris Williams make me, makes me assume Welsh, what which means get- I've got no chance. Getting raunchy in Trochi. There it is. It is in Wales. Uh, oh, well done. Yeah, you give me the pronunciation and then I'll work something into it. That's a... Triorki, is that what I said? Yes. Oh my god, okay. Triorki, holy shit. Uh, having a great talkie with my mate from Triorki. There it is. Chris Welcome Williams. into the club. Grab yourselves a martini or whatever just said. French martini. French martini. Enjoy ultra vomit. Enjoy the ultra vomit, which is extra good if you don't eat this week. Uh, <laughs> Can I just find on themetalarchives.com, their genre is death metal slash grindcore early, then various later. Their themes are humor and parody. Oh. So they're they a sound, fun band. They sound like they're gonna, the party's going to go all yeah. night long tonight. Welcome into the club, Chris, Tamara, and Brandon. Make yourselves at home. Uh, enjoy Ultra Vomit. 
And uh, yeah, that brings us to the end of the episode. Anything we need to tell people before we go? Um, that you can suggest a topic. There's a link in the show notes. It's also over on our website. Do go on pod.com. Um, and you can find us on socials at do go on pod and do go on podcast on TikTok. We're huge over there. <laughs> hey, if you want to see these faces, talk the talk. Which some people have said they find very upsetting. <laughs> Check us out on TikTok. Absolutely. Yep. Instagram. Yeah. Our faces. We're talking now. Yeah. We're old. We're on Instagram. Um, go there mostly. Mm. I was going to say we're all in our 30s. That's not true, is it? No, oh, I'm millions of years old. <laughs> it was great to go into the Windy City last year or this year. Earlier this year. Uh, to see where my younger brother, how my younger brother's doing, the wind. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to catch up with the little bro. Yeah. But, yeah, anyway, um, all of those things. And, Dave, boot at home. Hey, thanks so much for joining us in the glorious year that's been 2023. We oh, yeah. hope you have a safe end of the year and we'll see you back. Never. We're actually, this is our last ever episode. <laughs> and we're saving it till right now to tell you. That's how good 2024 is going to be. <laughs> it's going to be so good. We're too busy. No, podcasting never sleeps. Right. So we'll be back next week. And until then, also, thank you so much for listening. Happy New Year and goodbye. Later. Happy New Year. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com